You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Good evening. Welcome to Greg Kelly Reports. I'm Carl Higby. I'll be in for him for the week. He's taking some well-needed time off. He deserves his rest. But folks, have you ever noticed the divide and the understanding between the values of cities and the rest of the country? New York, L.A., D.C., they're all major media entertainment hubs for the entire country. How much do they have in common with the rest of us 10 miles outside their concrete jungle? Not much. Case in point, this is the electoral map from 2020. Republicans have better coverage than most cell phone providers. So why, why, why are the people who have so much to say over our lives all centralized in D.C.? I, I, look, I understand the legislative and the executive branches, and, but why everybody else? Folks, I spent a ton of time in D.C. when I was in the Trump administration, and the people there are so different from the rest of the country. It's actually shocking. There's a bunch of critics there. Most of those people have never had an original idea themselves. They come up with rules and laws and standards and many other cases for you know, us to force businesses to innovate or risk financial ruin through their regulations and fines, but they don't build anything in D.C. You need proof? Remember when Elizabeth Warren tweeted this? Let's change the rig's tax code so the person of the year will actually pay taxes instead of freeloading off everyone else. Right. Okay. Here's a woman who's never created a single job in her life, calling someone who has created thousands of jobs a freeloader. Someone who has made their living not producing a single thing. I mean, she has no product for, to, to show for her life. This, this is a professor to senator. I mean, Elizabeth Warren has never signed the front of a paycheck, and yet here she is criticizing someone who has. The stupid is strong with that one. I got an idea. Let's decentralize D.C. Let's make the people who are supposed to understand this country actually understand this country. Weird concept, I know, but stay with me here. How about we move the Department of the Interior to, I don't know, maybe the Interior? I mean, you think this woman, this woman right here, she's the Secretary of the Interior. You think she knows how to cast a fly rod? You think she's ever worked on an oil rig or climbed the Grand Tetons? Sure, she's Native American, but her background was working in a bakery. Then she went on food stamps. Then she became a lawyer who ran the gaming enterprise in New Mexico. Look, people always say, you don't need to flip a burger to own a McDonald's, but you need to know how to flip a burger to run one. This woman is openly biased against fossil fuels, and she's managing access to America's natural resources in many areas. That right there, that lack of understanding is why our fuel prices are up 60%. Transportation, this is my favorite. Pete Buttigieg couldn't fix a pothole in his hometown of South Bend, Indiana when he was mayor, and now you want to have him manage all the transportation nationwide? What moonbat thought this was a good idea? 
How about you stick the Secretary of Transportation and his whole department smack dab in the middle of I-5 traffic downtown L.A. Have them see how bad the infrastructure is firsthand every single day when it takes him four hours to get to work. He can bring his husband and two adopted kids out there. We'll, you know, pay the relocation fee for him and everything. DHS, how about you move this one right down to the southern border? Put that building smack dab in the middle of the worst, most unsecure stretch of the Rio Grande. Watch them button that thing up tighter than a 19th century wedding dress. I want Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, I want his window looking out right over the cartel corral victimizing millions of migrants every year. You want to fix the problem? You're going to have to make people understand it. And Department of Education, move that HQ right to the lowest scoring state in America, Mississippi. Obviously, you're not helping them from D.C., so take your whole department and get down there. I want this whole department to be on the front lines of actually doing something about those they're getting paid taxpayer dollars to fix. The DOJ is my favorite. Chicago sounds like a great place for you. Take out the lease in the downtown murder central of Chicago. I mean, Lori Lightfoot's already asked for federal help. Lady, I give you the entire DOJ. Chicago will be fixed tomorrow if the attorney general had to walk those streets every day to get to work. Mark my words. I got a place for every department in America. They don't have to be in D.C. And what better way than force those running this country to live in it? We need to do this with Congress. I mean, we, we, we do do it with Congress. They're elected and they have to go back and have residency in their district. Okay, the Beltway is a bubble, folks. They have no idea, nor do they really care how the rest of the country feels. Oh, we have to be in proximity to the government. No, you don't. COVID lockdowns prove that. Doing this will make those tasked with fixing the problem forced to see it firsthand. Mark my words, it will work. Well, joining us now to break down the idea of decentralizing D.C. is Congressman, Congresswoman Claudia Tenney, Republican of New York. Congresswoman, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be on. It's a great idea. It's like, I mean, you're, you obviously live in D.C. a lot and you take your time. You go back to your district. You listen to what people have to say because you're a Republican. So you actually understand that concept. So why do you think that they want to centralize so much power and not actually have it representing the people as our Congress does? Well, they can control everything. But actually, the decentralization of D.C. is not a new concept. Uh, it's been going back for many years. There's people that have written, even the New York Times ran a story on this in 2008 as I was checking hmm. uh, on this. So it's not, uh, it, was, it was when Barack Obama and uh, the late Senator John McCain were running for president. You know, how about, somebody suggested, how about decentralizing D.C. and end that partisan divide? But it's interesting that so many of these agencies, and, the, and you pointed out a number of them, some are involved in policymaking and some are involved in running government. Right. Look at the Veterans Affairs. Why shouldn't that be? You know, they're basically all over the country. But why shouldn't they be somewhere else uh, where veterans are? All the veterans aren't in D.C. Right. You have defense, obviously, with the Pentagon in D.C., but so many other departments like the Department of Interior. Great example. Bureau of Indian Affairs. All these things can be mm -hmm. decentralized. And then you take away this huge, massive uh, bureaucratic monster that is D.C., where you drive down the streets. You know, you, it's interesting to look at D.C. just architecturally. You see the beautiful historic buildings, and then you see this brutalist uh, architectural style that looks very, very utilitarian, yeah. filled with bureaucrats. Yeah. And those uh, that's in the executive branch, and that's where all the expense and the so-called, uh, you know, they call it the deep state, but I call it the bureaucracy, mm -hmm. which I think is better worded, and it's just very hard to slog through it. And actually, legislators were originally supposed to go and legislate, 
not to help people, you know, unclog and uh, get through the bureaucratic uh, mess that's in D.C. And it's very similar in Albany, New York, where we have a massive executive branch and the same problem occurs. Yeah. Well, it's, it seems to me, to actually, too, is, first off, you need to get people out of the bubble. I mean, that's the problem. And even, even President Trump said this, and I had a chance to, to speak with him offline about it once. He was like, you live in a bubble and you lose track. And that was what his Twitter thing was, is he was like, look, this is an access, an all-access pass to America and what people are really thinking. That's what he used it so elegantly, too, with, the, with what I thought some of his twi Twitter tweets uh, were. But, I mean, even Vice President Kamala Harris, a apparently agrees with getting out of D.C. as a good thing. Listen. What do you think your biggest failure has been at this point? <laughs> to not get out of D.C. more. <laughs> There's that awesome, charming <laughs> cackle. But I mean, look, it's, it's a point. When I was in D.C. as an appointee, I made every attempt to go out and visit the people I was actually paid to represent and work for, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I would love to see her go to the border, especially the Rio Grande <laughs> sector, and actually take control over this issue, um, which is she's the border czar, and she's done absolutely nothing. We have the worst border crisis we've had in decades, and nothing being done about it. So I think what's interesting, though, when you talk about like, the, like cutting up this bureaucracy, you know, we've put so much pressure uh, on, on the people in these branches of government that they actually, it's all about surviving in government and getting uh, some longevity and getting uh, staying in there. It's almost like you've got to build your instead of it being a meritocracy. It's really about, mm -hmm. you know, aging in there and staying as long as you can to get the benefits. And then look at how wealthy the D.C. district yep. is all around D.C. and Virginia and the Maryland suburbs are among the wealthiest in the nation because these really well paying, high paying jobs are all in that region and they're all government and they're guaranteed. And you alluded to it earlier, like Elizabeth Warren, none of these people had to sign a paycheck or worry about payroll. You know, as a small business owner, you can talk to anyone around the country and anyone listening right now. My biggest fear every single week was going through my accounts receivable list and try and begging people to pay anything. You got three thousand. How about two thousand? How about five hundred? Yeah. Just so I could make payroll. Right. And they don't know what that's like. And there were times when I didn't take my own pay and I my uh, assistant didn't take her pay and we were struggling to find loans. And they don't know what that's like because they just put in the largest spending package in our nation's history, which dwarfs, uh, you know, federal yeah. or, or FDR's New Deal. Yeah. I mean, no. it makes it even taking in, uh, inflation and the time into account, it dwarfs it. Yeah. So well, they're all about centralization and it's centralization of power, which is what's critical. I completely agree. It's like their paycheck comes no matter what, whether government shut down, open, whether businesses are working. They have no concept of that. You know, and, and I own my own business, too. And I remember just like you not taking paychecks, sometimes, you know, going weeks without a paycheck just so I could make the same payroll. And it's, it's rough. I want to ask you real quick. So. Mm -hmm. Hey, Republicans are well poised to take the House in 22. And you have the squad. You have AOC, Presley, uh, all these other nuts. That, I mean, that's what they are. Have never been in the minority. They've essentially just been able to run roughshod over Republicans, scream loud enough to have people kicked off of Republicans kicked off of committees. And now they could most likely be in the minority in 22. They might actually, if Republicans find a spine, they'll kick them off committees, too. How do you think they're going to react to that? They are going to claim that this is an assault on democracy and all that. kind of, I mean, they will not look at I was in the majority in my first term. Mm -hmm. And I I'd be honest with you, the Democrats, uh, many of them are, are good people. A lot of the people I work with are tremendous leaders. They wanted to work with us. But once AOC and that squad came in in the 2018 election uh, and now we have 2020 where they're still in the majority, 
they make it very difficult for the Democrats that want to be moderate and understand something. There's not a single Democrat in the House right now that votes in a moderate way. Every one of them vote yep. far left. You can look it up anywhere. It's like a flat line of how everyone votes. There's a couple that maybe go off the reservation a couple times. Right. But that's the problem is they don't want to work with us. And we are, you know, we signed a commitment to civility in my first term. Uh, there were about half, the, about 50-50 Democrats and Republicans in our freshman class. Mm -hmm. And we we took a pledge to work together to co-sponsor legislation to try to bring down that the, the temperature. And it was a great thing. Um, everyone signed it except for, I think, three Democrats. And I think a lot of these people have forgotten it. But I look at some of them want to go back to it now that they look like they're yeah. in peril for coming up on 2022. Yeah. Well, Congressman Claudia Tenney, we appreciate you being here. Good luck with the uh, good people of New York. Thanks so much. Thank you. Great to be on. All right. It was a holiday greeting heard around the world. Christmas Eve, the world heard Joe Biden agree to go blank himself. I hope you have a wonderful hey, Christmas. Well, yeah, I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas as well. Uh, Merry thank Christmas you. and let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Yeah. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Yep, that happened. The dad behind one of the funniest moments of Biden presidency joins us right after the break live. Do not go anywhere. Big news from the app world. The Newsmax TV app has been downloaded more than 5 million times since Election Day. It's one of the most popular apps on both iPhones and Android devices. Plus, it's free. So go to your app store now and you'll get easy access to Newsmax.com for top news. Plus, you can watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. And remember to sign up for app notifications so you never miss a breaking news alert from Newsmax. Download the free app now. Takes just seconds. Newsmax TV. Watch us anytime, anywhere. Well, unless you live under a rock, you've no doubt seen a story from last weekend, the so-called Let's Go Brandon Dad. You know the guy who actually got Joe Biden to say the phrase, Let's Go Brandon? You, the memes just write themselves at this point. Yeah, I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas as well. Uh, Merry Christmas you. and Let's Go Brandon. Let's Go Brandon, I <laughs> yeah. agree. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Clueless, bumbling Mr. Magoo we have in the White House just agreed to go blank himself. God help us. So the left-wing media immediately pounced on the dad for making a joke. This was a joke, folks. It was not an insult. It was just a joke. Come on. Forgetting that many of the heroes, all, you know, all those people on the left that they held up on podiums, F. Trump and that woman who you know, held up a you know, fake bloody head of Donald Trump, Robert De Niro, you had it all. They, they cheered them on. But guy says one more thing. You remember De Niro? Listen to this. I'm going to say one thing. F Trump. It's no longer down with Trump, it's Trump. Said to a cheering room of people who are anti-gun that make millions of dollars off of movies using guns. But of course, you know, pencil-neck politicians and smoozing Eric Swalwell couldn't resist piling on the congressional cry baby tweeting, listen to this. 
Don't waste your time on the pathetic dad who humiliated his family to say F you to the president on Christmas Eve. He's irrelevant. Spend your time asking why Republican leaders aren't celebrating him. This isn't my parents' Republican Party. This is, this, this is the crew who are indecent to their core. Right, coming from the guy who farted on national TV. But lighten up, Eric. Your concern should be how your president is failing. We want him to succeed. Nobody gets on an airplane and says, hey, I hope this airplane crashes because I don't like the pilot. No, we all want Joe Biden to succeed. We just think his policies are complete garbage. So in the, in the sense of every word, and it, it's been exposed not only to those at home, but our enemies abroad. They got the guy to say, let's go Brandon to himself. Well, joining us now to discuss this, Jared Schmeck joins us live. Jared, appreciate you joining the program on this. Thanks for having me on. Okay, so let's set the stage here. I mean, look, are you a type of guy who would stand on stage and say F Joe Biden? Absolutely not. See, and, and that's the thing is a lot of people say, like, you know, this let's go Brandon thing is like a vanilla term to just kind of lighten the mood a little bit. And it's funny. It's on T-shirts. It's all everywhere. And we got we saw it from the left. So why is it so bad for you to say this? And how did you feel, actually, when Joe Biden said it back to you? <laughs> Well, I didn't hear him say it back to me because they cut the phone call as soon as they said, let's go, Brandon. I, I didn't know that that happened or that it was even being live streamed until I saw it on social media about 10 minutes later. And uh, <laughs> and I laughed pretty hard when, when I when I watched that video. Uh, the reason we know why they're mad. I mean, it, yeah. it's we, we know why they're mad. He's right. the one who said it. Um, and uh, frankly, the mainstream media are the ones who made uh, the let's go, Brandon term. Yeah. And. It is. It is meant in humor, but it is obviously it encompasses more than just F. Joe Biden. This is our frustration right. with his administration and their policies, just like you said. I yeah. mean, Afghanistan, what's happening in Afghanistan? They're not even talking about that anymore. There's still people over there. Right. Uh, you've got the supply chain issues. You've got the insane inflation rates right now. Um, the the federal vaccine mandates, the, the list goes on. Right. And. It, people are tired of it. And people, not just people in America, people around the world know what's going on with this. Yeah. And, but that's the problem, too, is like, you know, they, they like we just saw, they cheered on this type of vulgarity against Trump. And it was nothing was off the table, his family, his finances, his business, his kids, whatever. And, you know, you, you go on and say something like this, be like, look, dude, you can you can criticize you all you want. But people are actually coming after you with death threats now. No. That's correct. Yeah, that is that is true. The party of civility is uh, not so civil, I guess. Um, they're going crazy, though. I, look at this. So father, you look at these headlines. Father uses vulgar insult, uh, insult uh, during holiday call with President Joe Biden. They go on to say, here's another one. Parent uses right wing slur during Biden call with NORAD Santa tracker. How do you what do you make of these? Well, if we want to talk about vulgarity, we should look at what the Biden administration is doing to this country and to the world. That's that's vulgar. Yeah, no, it really is. So you've got kids, obviously, you're 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 average guy. I mean, you, you you strike me. I was talking to you off air a little bit. You seem like a totally average dude. You don't have any animosity towards Biden on a personal level. You're just a you just don't like his policies. You don't you don't you're not unhinged. You're not ready to go storm the castle or anything like that. You're just annoyed that you're paying 60 percent more at the pump. So what's your message to some of these, you know, bloggists in their mom's basement in a beanbag naked eating Cheetos saying that you're this terrible person? 
Well, uh, my message is that we as Americans and as people around the world need to stand up to what's going on. Uh, this is bigger than uh, just the term, let's go, Brandon. It, it's far bigger than uh, than I, I think I even comprehended before uh, any of this happened. Um, and I'm, I'm, they're trying to silence me. Uh, they they uh, do this. This is their tactic every single time something happens. It's always the same story. It's always the same game plan. And we have to stand up. And we're able to handle this in a humorous manner, uh, unlike the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, for me personally, and I think for a lot of, of people uh, that think the way I think, it's because our faith isn't in our government. It's in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we, we have uh, more, more than just what's on this earth. But we have to fight for what we have while we're here, uh, because if we don't, it'll get swept right out from under us. Yeah. So if you let's let's say you're sitting in the the same room as one of these journalists who's written one of these horrible pieces about you, criticizing you and your family, and with your you know claiming you have this tinfoil hat and that you want to overthrow democracy. What do you say to that CNN or MSN, MSNBC reporter? On you know, for the for the FCC airwaves friendly version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I could say let's go, Brandon. But yeah, uh, you know, when it when it comes down to it, it's uh, this this is democracy. What I am ex- exercising my rights as an American, um, and I have very real concerns, and I'm I'm well supported. There's so many people that have reached out in support because there are a lot of people concerned about what's going on, uh, and in, in my opinion, they are. Uh, trying to to rip uh, that democracy from underneath our feet. Mm-hmm. And it's scary, and we have to stand up. Yeah. So you, know, you have a party of tolerance that spent, you know, four years saying that Trump was the most intolerant person in the world. We need to be all-inclusive. You know, come join us. We're the party of free speech, free choice, blah, 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 blah. When you see stuff like this, um, what do you tell your kids when you're like, look, guys, like these headlines that are now there forever about me are not true? Uh, that's a it's a tough one, but my kids uh, they've got uh, good heads on their shoulders. I mean, two of them are, are too young to understand what's going on, but mm-hmm. but my two boys understand what's going on, and uh, you know we've talked about it, we've prayed about it together, we've talked about uh, the fact that as an American, um, you have uh, this is the only country where where we're able to you know vote, and hopefully our vote is legitimate, mm-hmm. and um, we're able to voice our opinions, we're able to actually take action to make changes. Um, for the betterment of our country. And you nailed it on the head when you said no one gets on an airplane hoping that it's going to crash. We all want Joe Biden to succeed. We want this country to succeed. Um, And I I do think that separates us from the other side. Um, And that's that's really I got to say about that. Yeah. Well, Jared, look, stay safe out there. You know, I'm in the Socialist Republic of Connecticut. You ever feel threatened? You can come stay with me, man. I got tons of guns. I'm a safe guy. We'll barbecue and we'll be happy. All right. We'll, we'll, you know, (laughs) raise the MAGA flag. But, uh, you know, we're we're a respectful bunch as much as they hate us. So, Jared Schmeck, we appreciate you joining us tonight, sir. Thank you. You have a great day and God bless. All right. You too. Stay with the folks. We'll be right back. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now, there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. Well, here we go again. The fake news loves to use this term insurrectionist, but as of today, nobody has been actually charged with insurrection, which is the crime they allege. 
Now, we had a great conversation with the father who jokingly said, let's go, Brandon, to the president over a call this weekend. And oh, boy, left-wing media went bananas. But unfortunately, folks, this is proper procedure living another day in the world of democratic hypocrisy. So I'd like to bring in our media panel for this, managing editor of Newsbusters, Curtis Houck, and president of the American Principles Project, Terry Schilling. Welcome to both of you. Curtis, go to you first on this. We just heard from the pundits, we'll call them that, at CNN. But, you know, take a look at this headline from NBC. It says, parents uses right-wing slur during Biden call with NORAD Santa Tracker. Right-wing slur, really? Is this getting out of hand? <laughs> yeah, I think that's definitely an understatement, Carl. I mean, I looked up some other examples. During the Trump years, you had CNN giving fawning interviews to a woman in Loudoun mm -hmm. County who then ran for county supervisor and, I believe, won, who flipped off Trump's motorcade as yep. it went by. And recently they gave an interview to, uh, I believe, a teenager in Florida who has flipped people off for not wearing masks. And these are the same people as you talked about in your last segment with Jared, that these are the people that, you know, cheered Robert De Niro cursing about Donald Trump uh, right. during his presidency. And I'll point out that there was a Shakespeare like play in New York Central Park in 2017 that is set, yep. that depicted the murder of Donald Trump. CNN's Fareed Zakaria gave it a green light. And The Guardian called it a lighter touch on Trump criticism. So this idea that it's vulgar. It's all about insurrection. It shows that they're flailing. Anytime there's something, it involves something, something January 6th, you know that we, the right, right has uh, the left where they want them. And I think Jared hit the nail on the head. They're yeah. flailing because they don't really have any faith uh, and any higher power to be grounded in. Yep. When when you when they start to freak out like this, you know that they're actually you're hovering right above the target that they can't take. So they must defer, and they usually go to the identity politics on that one. Terry, the whole nation though they're freaking out over this Omicron variant. Okay, it's like this does no harm. Okay, it does. It, it's a cold. It, it, symptoms include runny nose, maybe a light fever, little rundown. This used to be a cold, and I tell you, folks all over the place are freaking out. They're going home. They're staying out of the workforce. They're getting 15 rapid tests and stuff like this. What happened to the days where it was like, look, if you're sick, stay home for a couple of days till you feel better. Don't shut down the economy, but just stay home. If you're not sick, go to work. I mean, am I crazy here? No, you're not crazy, Carl. This is absolute insanity and it needs to stop now. And it's not going to stop until we stand up and say that it stops. Uh, listen, the, there's a funny thing here that we're all missing, which is that the common cold is actually a uh, coronavirus. Uh, yes. I know that uh, the scientific community tends to forget that uh, when they have the uh, so much power that, that, that's been given to them. But, yeah, no, the common cold is a coronavirus. So all these new variants that are coming out uh, could also just be uh, coronaviruses uh, that are just a common cold. I mean, look, people aren't dying. People are very smart. Our founders set up a country where it was based on self-government. The people get to determine who the president of the United States is. So I think we should get to determine whether or not we take risks on whether or not we get a cold or even something deadlier. Uh, we should trust people. They are smart and they know how to best take care of themselves and their family. Yeah, I actually read, someone, you know, tweeted out the other day, some random account, and they said, oh, you know, I have all these symptoms, I'm terrified, blah, blah, blah. I, do, I retweeted them, I said, relax, you have a cold, go home, get eight hours of sleep and, a, and some hot soup and you'll be fine. But listen to this media freakout, Curtis, listen to this. 
Tonight, the rapidly spreading Omicron variant leading to new cancellations and closures with Christmas just days away. Omicron is coming. It is soon to be the dominant variant here. Winter warning. The fight against COVID taking a turn for the worse. And case numbers reaching record highs as the fast spreading Omicron variant takes hold. Curtis, I had COVID a year ago, and since then I have taken zero big fat donut precautions on anything. Look, I, you know, if, if you're if you're afraid of this thing, by all means, cover yourself in all the masks in the world, get vaccinated to the hill, whatever you want to do. I mean, it's fine with me. I'll support you and your decision. But is it really worth the absolute savage freakout that the media is portraying right now? <laughs> well, of course not, Carl. It's really interesting to see the media freak out because it's so telling that they know that the Biden presidency is flailing. They really don't have anything to grasp onto in the same way that they were able to glob on with Barack Obama. It was a real symbiotic relationship that those two had. But with Joe Biden, he's really not giving them too much to work with. Um, all of these mandates not working, testing backed up. These vaccine mandates not working. Uh, and yet you have and again, you have this undercurrent of ordinary Americans like Jared in the last segment talking about we need to stand up as the American people. And this is a democracy after all. That That's why people are refusing these uh, draconian restrictions here. We're not China for and we're not North Korea for a reason. As Terry talks about, the founders set up this incredibly you know, amazing and genius system mm -hmm. of government that sometimes frustrates us, but but it's supposed to frustrate us right. sometimes. And our media do not want to understand that. That's why they've thrown in their lot with people like Nicole Hannah-Jones. It is. So, Terry, um, you know, what's interesting is Joe Biden came out and was all of a sudden was like, hey, there's not much we can, the government can do. Listen to this thought real quick. There is no federal solution. This gets solved at a state level. This is a guy who said during the election, he was like, look, I'm going to shut down the virus. I'm not going to shut down the economy. Now he's saying, well, there's, I mean, shocker, did, did some scientists actually come over and whisper in his ear and be like, this is the reality? Well, I think the reality that Joe Biden and the rest of the Democratic Party is starting to see set in mm -hmm. is that the midterms are coming up, right? Like there's going to be an election. There's going to be consequences for this draconian overreach that they forced on every American and all of our families. And now they're starting to do it to our kids again. They're talking about shutting down our kids' schools. This is a travesty, and the right. Democrats are finally getting the memo, hey, maybe these uh, shutdowns aren't that popular. Uh, you know, and they're going to suffer consequences at the polls, and, and it can't come soon enough. I wish the election yeah. was tomorrow. Yeah, me too. So, Terry Schilling, we appreciate you joining us. Curtis Hauk, by the way, I have your not a liberal sticker on the back of my diesel pickup truck from MRC. <laughs> I love it. All right, thanks, thanks. guys. Thanks. All right, last minute Christmas shopping unfortunately called for lots of last minute crime and shoplifting. What can our cities and police do to keep these criminals off the streets? Well, we're going to wrap about that later. A liberty loving American takes on Washington, Hollywood, and the whole media establishment. He's Chris Salcedo. Join his fight. Tune in to The Chris Salcedo Show every weekday afternoon on Newsmax. All right, so this weekend was mostly filled with a ton of holiday cheer and last-minute shopping, but unfortunately, some cities across the nation experience last-minute crime and shoplifting. The crime capital of America, Chicago, as we all know, saw 22 shootings. A couple were actually fatal. But what was the lovely Mayor Lori Lightfoot up to? Well... Joyous Kwanzaa, Chicago. Amy and I wish to extend a very beautiful 
and prosperous Kwanzaa to all of you celebrating this season. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Clearly working hard on fighting crime. God, folks, let's bring in our next guest for this. Friend of mine, former FBI agent and fellow team guy, Jonathan Gilliam. He's also the author of the great book, Sheep No More. How you doing, boss? Not good now after you show me that visual <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, you, you, I, yeah i got nothing for that <laughs> just the the Saturday funny th live doesn't have anything on that i know you know the, the funny thing is is under trump trump was like hey look i'm gonna send all these people into into your your area to help you do the prosecutions for all the gun crimes i'm gonna help send extra uh, folks to back up your local law enforcement whatever you need because your city is more deadly than iraq at the, at the height of the war but they said, no, get out of here. Get your, I think, believe she used the word stormtroopers. Nope, you can't be in here. Get out of here. But now all of a sudden she's begging Biden for help. I mean, what changed? Well, the president changed. They're not, the Democrats, you got to remember, they're a subversive leftist uh, group, right? Th these are not, it's not the Democrat party of old. If you're liberal and you're a Democrat and you're watching this right now, heed my warning. The Democrat party is no longer what it was it is a leftist, subversive, almost communist type of, of a party. And you have to realize that these people do these things like call uh, the police stormtroopers when Trump is in office. And then when weirdo Biden gets in office, they all of a sudden beg for help. Well, the reality is all of this is by design. I can, I can truly say that Lori Lightfoot is incompetent. However, she follows in a pattern that is identical to every other major leftist city ran in this nation. There is not one major city in this country that is ran by a liberal leftist Democrat that is not suffering of the same uh, playbook. That's they true. are doing the same thing. So it's not incompetence, Carl. You and I both know when we plan missions, Mm -hmm. that we have standard operating procedures. And you once an enemy learns our standard operating procedure, there's a, there's a better one out there, yep. then we will go and develop that better standard operating procedure. Right. These are their standard operating procedures to destroy the cities in which they run. It, it's shocking. I talked about it earlier in the show. I was like, take the DOJ and put them right smack dab in the middle of downtown murder Chicago and see how fast they fix it. It's a matter of, like, you're exactly right. It's a matter of will, not ability. So this weekend, okay, a woman in, she robbed a Rite Aid with a pickaxe. I mean, look, do we have, here's the video of this one. She walked in, grabs a cart or a, a basket, drags it around, maybe some cough drops, so grabs some nail clippers and a comb. And by the way, I'm out of here and I'm not paying for it. I mean, she's currently under investigation for this. And these criminals, they are being caught, but the second they get caught, they just turn around, turn them loose. What do you make of this? Well, this is this is old school right here. I mean, if you're going back to the the, the, the method of pickaxe uh, to rob a store, you're going back to the 18th century right here. Um, you know, look, but here's here's the thing. Did you see how bare those shelves were to begin yep. with? This is all because of the Democrats. The very end of that video, the shelves are bare. So that's the reality. Whether it's bare shelves and there's no stock in the store, or it's the fact that people are walking in with a pickaxe to take what's left off the shelf, the reality is it's a Democrat-ran city. I, I try to stay neutral when I analyze these things. It's virtually impossible because all of this has occurred since Joe Biden took office. These, there's not more criminals that were born 
uh, over the past year. It's the fact that they're more brazen and people get away with things. Yeah. That's why it's occurring. And the top business growing states right now are all Republican because all these businesses are leaving. You know, John, before I let you go, uh, Dick Marcinko, uh, community had a big loss. The guy who originally founded SEAL Team 6, um, he passed away this weekend uh, over Christmas. And, you know, what, what's your take on this? Well, you know, uh, listen, you and I both know that Richard Marcinko is uh, one of the most visual uh, legends in the SEAL teams and really in the United States military in our entire history. What he did in creating SEAL Team 6 and, and the one that's um, – many people don't know, which is Red Cell, mm -hmm. uh, I think was just as important, which was an unconventional force that looked around the country and at all of our military assets from an attacker's point of view. You wonder where I got the idea for my book? Uh, it's because Richard Marcinko took the way that we think and he created this team. And that's what I tried to give to the people and sheep no more. But Richard Marcinko um, is a legend and this is what people need to realize. There's a lot of people who call themselves legends, especially in the sports community and things. Richard Marcinko is a legend because right. of his actions and what he did for this nation. The nation is better because of him. And I know I sleep safer because of some of the things that he took personal responsibility in creating. A hundred percent. He was willing to think outside the box, do things that a lot of people aren't even willing to think about anymore. So, John Gillum, fellow team guy, appreciate it. Uh, appreciate you joining us tonight. You got it, and God bless, uh, Richard. We'll see you when we get to heaven. Yeah, man. All right, COVID lockdowns in China as cases surge in the central city of Xi'an. That's how you pronounce it. It's uh, forced a severe lockdown. And now the Chinese Communist Party plans on rolling out economic plans to help lift an already strained economy. But will this work? We're going to break that down. All right, so as the Omicron and Delta variant take a stronghold globally, China is now entering a severe lockdown. Of course, what do we expect from the oppressive regime that's already doing? The central city of Xi'an, home to 13 million residents, okay, the size of Manhattan, 600 miles southwest of Beijing, now remains under strict lockdown for a fifth day as cases surge in the region. So no vehicles are allowed on the roads unless they're assisting with deceased control work or as Chinese police inspect cars to enforce fines even. Even detaining violators for up to 10 days. Think about that. Authorities are strictly limiting movement into this in and out of the city, reportedly establishing checkpoints as workers in hazmat suits check health on drivers' mobile phones. Whoa. Joining me now to discuss this, the author of The Coming Collapse of China, Gordon Chang. Welcome to the program, sir. Thank you so much, Carl. So, I mean, I, I don't expect anything less from the, the Communist Republic of China, or the Pe People's Republic, I should say. Um, they are in hazmat suits, locking things down. This is like, you know, we couldn't imagine this two years ago, even anywhere in the world. What do you make of this? Well, the Communist Party bases its legitimacy on the number of coronavirus cases and the number of deaths. And so um, what they say is that American democracy doesn't work because we have 52 million cases of coronavirus and 817,000 deaths. China claims that has only 4,636 deaths, and that number hasn't changed for a year. But the problem is that these lockdowns cause enormous, enormous damage to people, to society, and to the economy. And that's the problem that China's now facing, that, yes, it is sometimes able to control these outbreaks, not very well, but 
um, really what they're doing is enormous damage to China mm -hmm. itself. Well, you know, I've seen some of these, uh, the videos that have been leaked out on the internet, and it looks like scenes out of Chernobyl. I mean, there's people with trucks spraying down the roads with pathogen-killing solutions. They're going in, they're dragging people out of buildings to spray down residents and telling people to close up. I mean, this is not Ebola virus. This is the flu. I mean, even for China, is this a stretch? It is a stretch for China, but also Beijing is worried that the International Olympic Committee will postpone the Winter Olympics, which mm. are scheduled to start February 4th. And so um, they're trying to eliminate all the reasons for that. And one of them is coronavirus, because there have been these outbreaks of uh, that from time to time. And so I think what they're trying to do is to do everything possible to prevent the spread so that the IOC will allow the games to start as scheduled. So, Gordon, I want to ask you this whole thing. So everybody always talks about is China's going to surpass us with, you know, in the, as the global currency. They're worried about China taking over. They own so much of our debt. What I don't think a lot of people realize is that China's economy is actually suffering greatly, as well as the fact that Trump put a number of uh, restrictions and, and sanctions and things like that that really crippled them. Tell us, like, put the pe American people's mind at ease that China is not some economic superpower right now. Yeah. Well, China is not growing in the mid-single digits, as it claims. It's probably zero and maybe even negative. Um, and we see these from very soft consumption numbers. And that's partly the result of these lockdowns that you've been talking about. Mm -hmm. But it's also the result of Xi Jinping, the current ruler's policies, because he's moving away from economic liberalization, going back to a state-dominated economy. And at the same time, he is closing China off from the rest of the world. And we know from two millennia of Chinese imperial history, plus the first years of the People's Republic, that every time a Chinese ruler closes China off, it's disaster. And that's where China is heading. So don't expect China to overtake the United States in our lifetimes. Okay. So, you know, care, I, obviously I care less about how China is doing internally, but I do care about a lot what is going on in America and how what China is doing affects our supply chains from food to goods to services and things like that. We already have our own supply chain problems here because Buttigieg was out on paternity leave for, you know, two months with, or whatever. And then, but you also have a number of our things like chips for, for pickup trucks. I can't buy a new pickup truck right now because they don't have chips. They have millions of trucks parked out there, but no chip to, to turn them on. They have um, other th manufacturing, Apple. All these people are finding problems with significant portions of their supply line is there any end in sight for the United States supply chain crisis based on China's lack of production? Yeah, not in 2022, maybe not even in 2023. This is going to go on for a long time because mm -hmm. of a number of reasons. And one of them, you know, yes, there are really stupid policies in the state of California and throughout the United States, thanks to the Biden administration. Yeah. But also there are a lot of China problems. Um, and part of them, um, China is actually creating shortages in order to remind the world that it is dependent on Beijing. Hmm. Plus, also, you have these COVID lockdowns, which are hitting supply chains uh, yeah. at the origins in China. So a lot of China-related reasons for this, Carl, which means we've got to get our factories out of China back to this side of the Pacific so we're not subject to all of these delays and disruptions yep. that you talk about. Well, there was I'm, I'm old enough to remember a guy whose name rhymed with Donald Trump who tried to do that and everybody called him crazy. Gordon Chang, we appreciate you joining us tonight, sir. Thank you, Carl, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. All right, Vogue, New Year's Eve is this week. Stay with us as we talk New Year's resolutions.
All right, folks, so we all have those people in our family who are like, hey, you know what? I'm going to have a New Year's resolution. Well, let me be honest, folks. Most of these things don't last and they don't work. Why? Because people set outlandish goals for themselves. You want to have a successful New Year's resolution? Here's what you do. Find something manageable. Don't join a gym and commit to seven days a week training if you've never worked out before. It's just not sustainable. It's not going to work for you. It's going to last seven days. You're going to clog up my squat rack. I'm going to be annoyed at you, and so is a lot of other people. So set manageable goals so you can achieve them. Personally, I don't understand why you don't get out of bed every morning and take everything to the max as if every day was New Year's Day, but we all got to start somewhere. So with that, folks, be reasonable and stay committed. Happy New Year. Stand by for Stinchfield. Thank you.